Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Greasters, I hope. Guess what? I hope you're having an okay week. <laughs> Is that becoming another catchphrase? <laughs> Just every week I'm like, I hope you're having an okay week and you remember you're not alone. Um, I always feel a bit weird about having catchphrases for a show about death. I hope it's alright. I hope you're having a fine time. <laughs> anyway, um, just a reminder, we have a live show coming up on June the 6th. Um, confirmed guests is Jeff Lloyd from the incredible... Adrift, I was going to say Afterlife, Adrift podcast and Reasons to be Cheerful and Camille Gucan from Lee and Dean and Birthday Girls, another very funny lady and there will be another guest as well when I can confirm who that's going to be. Uh, head to the Udderbelly website for tickets or I will tweet the link as well at the Griefcast. This week I'm talking to writer Paul Burke. Paul is a copywriter as well as a novelist. He's written four novels and a million different adverts that you've definitely heard and watched um, for many many years he's also a genuinely wonderful person Paul came in to talk to me about his parents welcome to Griefcast I'm joined today by copywriter author man about town and radio expert, that's what I'm going to go for, Paul Burke, hello hello Carrie <laughs> how's that, is that okay? oh that's, that's, that's so it's so rewarding <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been writing ad- radio adverts for oh um i mean i started as a as a van driver oh really yeah <laughs> i left school with, with practically nothing um and i started as a van driver just to get a job yeah i was my ambition at that age the the zenith of my ambitions was to be a black cab driver oh wow you won't be surprised to yeah. know yeah and um <laughs> you've made a great cab driver before <laughs> well, you have to sit still so long and, yeah, yeah that's and, true uh, you know when you see me with black cab drivers i do say yeah yeah damn yeah, yeah. my boy had trials for west ham too you know i can <laughs> behave like that um but i joined an advertising agency not realizing really what it was 
and it was it was just a really cool place to be. If that's yeah. not too uncool a thing to say. No, no, I can imagine. And, so was that in the eighties? It was in the eighties. Yeah, that was like the height of advertising, oh. wasn't it? It's like my friend used to say, you know, if you did an advert, you could buy a house. Well, like it was just. I, I think yeah, by, by the time I got there, that had sort of faded away. But, oh damn it! <laughs> I mean, the way it started is I don't know how you got into what you're doing, but we um we had a careers convention at oh, school. Oh, right, yeah. And I wanted to be a journalist. Right. And um, this bloke came around from the local paper. I think it was either, I think it was the Wembley Observer or the Kilburn Times. And he goes, well, I've been at the Wembley Observer now for 37 years <laughs> and I feel part of the community. He thought, oh, really? And then the line I'll never forget. He goes, I've covered their weddings. I've covered their children's weddings. I thought, <laughs> not exactly exciting no, dynamic world of journalism and this bloke came <clears> around <throat> from an advertising agent. I don't know who he was or what he was doing in my school he seemed really old he was probably about 28 I don't know somebody's friend's brother or yeah, something. Yeah. and he just I think as a nation in the 80s we, we'd all heard of Saatchi and Saatchi yeah and he said, no, there's lots of these advertising agencies. Then he said, the, the golden rule you don't necessarily need any qualifications <laughs> ting uh, and so I looked them up and oh. I, I swear I'm making this up. The first one in the book was Abbott Mead Vickers, right. which at the time was very small. Yeah. Now it's the biggest agency in Britain has been for a long time. And I just went along and said I'd like to work. It was I'd like to work in advertising. I wasn't being sort of cool or cocky. Yeah, yeah. And they just happened to be looking for a runner, so I just used to wow. drive a van. Different times, isn't it? Yeah. It's such different times. It's so different. I, I mean, people have said, oh, you must have been really driven. You know, you must have... Yeah. Um, no, the van was driven. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, But you must have wanted to get in at the bottom yeah, run yeah. so you could make... And No, it was just a job. I was just wow. biding my time till I was 21 and could do the knowledge. And then you started specialising in comedy and working with, like you said, all those yeah. like, 1980s comedy greats. Oh, like, gotcha. go and list the people, people you've worked pe- with. Pe- people I've actually written material for. When yeah. I say material, it's... Um, uh, commercials. Um, first and foremost, Carrie Ad Lloyd, uh, <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, um, uh, Fry and Laurie, Mitchell and Webb, Rob Brydon, um, Ben Elton once. Uh, I'm, ugh, I'm trying to think of them. Justin Morehouse, um, all the, uh, these comedy people. But then I, I think the reason I like radio is it's the nearest you get in advertising to show business because although television's glamorous I, yeah. mean, I, used, to, I used to do ads with uh, older readers older listeners will remember in the 90s there was um, lots of uh, ads for Barclay Card with Rowan Atkinson oh yeah yeah and then they became Johnny English well I used to do those oh wow and used to go all, ar- all around the world yeah but it, it is a bit boring when you're actually shooting them yeah you know, just the amount of setup, just the cameras you know you, you have to set up the cameras and the uh, you've got to do exactly the same for a 30 second ad as you would for a two hour movie yeah and I just, I've got no attention <laughs> whereas radio it's sort of done and dusted in about an hour yeah and it's very immediate isn't yeah, it it's great and and many's the time that I've seen someone on the telly or uh, in a play and it's quite easy to find out who their agent is next job I've got I thought that bloke who played the vicar would be good for that and the bloke who played the vicar the bloke I saw on the telly is in the studio the following Thursday wow. reading out something I've written. And, and that's that's glorious. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so quick, isn't mm. it? It reminds me, that's like what attracted me to improv and, you know, character stand-up and stand-up was just like, I've got an idea on a Thursday. On the Friday, mm. I ask my friend to go on their gig and then I do it and I go, oh, that idea sort of works. It's not, like, it's just, I think if you have no patience, it's a really nice oh, way no, to work. I think yeah. patience is an overrated version. <laughs> I definitely will subscribe to that school worse. because I have no patience no, at all. I'm getting, no patience. I'm getting worse. I mean, despite my advance in years, um, you've never seen a boy racer like me. 
Honestly, it's. I remember somebody, it was an engineer in a studio, he goes, oh, what was it? Um, were you in, oh, I'm making this up, were you in Cricklewood on Thursday, uh, on Saturday at the weekend? I said, yeah, have you got a red golf? <laughs> Whatever it was. I said, yeah. He goes, you bastard. <laughs> I cut him up. Uh, and it's a weird thing because I'm not competitive or macho when I drive a car. Yeah. I'm just imp- I just want to get there. Yeah, and yeah, I find yeah. slow drivers, the hu- you will wait for me. Yeah. No, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> So, and also, as my life is ebbing away, um, <laughs> I've got you less of it. I've got to get I've got stuff to do. You know, yeah, I'll be I dead got, soon. I, I so, think maybe that's you know. my lack of patience. It's just like, life's too short. Come on, come on, yeah, come it's, on. It's going to get worse. Yeah, like You're just, either like that, you know. Oh, God, yeah, my, yeah. I have no patience at all. So, Paul. Yes. Who are we remembering today? Um, we're remembering my mu- uh, my dad and my mum. Mum and uh, your dad. So, yeah. um, who died first? My dad. Your dad. And um, how long ago did your dad die? Well... Um, this is a really. This, my dad died several years before I was born. Now, <laughs> what happened was my uh, before I was born, years before I was born. We talk about nineteen fifty nine, nineteen sixty. My dad was you know quite young in his thirties, and he had appendicitis, and it was it went really bad. You know how it can. Yeah, yeah. I think it's peritonitis. Yeah, and um, it all exploded, and he's rushed into Wilston General Hospital, and he's actually. Like technically dead on the operating table. Oh my god! So he's dead, but it's not primitive in those days. They got the electric shot, the the old jump leads yeah, out, kuchunk, yeah. and jump leaded him back to life. Wow! So, but what they said again, I wasn't there. It's before yeah. I was born. Uh, is that in later life, because they, you know, whacked electricity, thousands of volts through him that it may cause issues with his... Well, people have said issues. Nobody said that in yeah, those days. Yeah, they, said, yeah. they may cause problems or damage to his heart in later life. Oh, wow. And again, many years after this, by which time he'd fathered another couple of children and I was nine, he had a massive heart attack. And, and still not, you know, in his 40s. God. We were on holiday. We used to go um, down to my... Uh, both my parents came from big families. Um, and my mum came from this... Big, you know, they're sort of London families that yeah. don't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. There were nine of them. You yeah, know, yeah. And my uncle Bert was. It's that sort of, if you like, Derek Jameson, Max Bygraves, yeah, Jen, th- yeah. those old Londoners. They're all like that. And my uncle Bert had moved down to Little Hampton, and we were down there, and we were going down to the beach, and we said to me, Dad, you know, UK. In, wasn't like him because he was. Um, he's a thick-set Irish builder, <laughs> and I'm looking increasingly like that. Uh, and he wasn't a hypochondriac, but the opposite. And he goes, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling so good. And uh, when we came back, I remember I just ran to see if he was all right. I'm about nine. And I just remember his head seemed to be the size and colour of an aubergine. Oh, my God. And I went scuttling off, mum, mum, you know. And he's still gamely smiling. I'm all right, son, I'm all right. And oh, my God. I don't think he could see himself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I called an ambulance, you know, massive heart attack. And uh, we had to come home. And and he was still down there for about a month. Oh my god! In you know, hospital. in hospital, and that led to him being off work for three or four years. Wow! And we weren't, to put it mildly, weren't very wealthy in the first place. Yeah. And this plunged us into like Monty Python style poverty. Wow! Uh, that said, it was you know, <laughs> getting it, 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 it. I wasn't unhappy. You yeah, know, yeah. People were so kind. You know. We used to get our clothes in a bin bag from the St Vincent de Paul Society because my, my dad, not so much my mum, but my dad was the most devout Catholic you will ever meet. Wow. So the church were really good to us. Uh, we lived on benefits. Um, 
because he just he simply couldn't work. And when I hear people talking about their poor childhood, and they'll say, um, "Yeah, my dad drove this ropey old Ford Anglia. What, your dad had a car, yeah, you know." Yeah. And yeah, he he didn't he didn't uh, sort of die there and then, but he was off work for three or four years. Then he'd go back, but he was never the same again. Yeah. And because of that, I because I'm thinking about it now, it. <laughs> It wasn't very nice that you're a little boy. I'm not trying to get the violins out. And, and, no, no, and, no. and I lived under the constant fear that my dad was going to die. Yeah, especially being young and having yeah. sickness in the house, I think, yes, can exactly. be really challenging because you, you word, don't yeah. know, as a you child, don't you don't really know what's going on, no. right? And especially in that day and age, I imagine no one really explained to you quite no, what was w- going uh, on. No, it wasn't well. <laughs> you Your know? dad's not well. I yeah. mean, again, because my mum was. Um, Think the nan from the Catherine Tate show. No. But at that time she was younger. And and just the choice of phrase. Uh, my dad was called Patrick. He was not Irish. Uh, as Pat, he's queer. <laughs> uh, well, it's all right. Yes, he turned queer in the night. It was just... <laughs> or the other one, She's uh, my dad was on the sick. On which the sick. On the sick wow. sounded terribly slippery, didn't it? Yeah, you know, just, yeah. But, I mean, they, it affected us in many ways. Uh, I think to this day, it, um, I loved my dad. Uh, he was... Because people think the Irish are sort of roistering, drunk, uh, <laughs> and a lot of them are, but most of them aren't. A lot of them are sort of, there's that sort of, you know, White House does that, I've written for him as well. Yeah. <laughs> Paul White has that, that, that um, Ted and Ralph. Oh, yeah, that's sort of a like. Lot, yeah, the, a lot of Irish people, that's quite well observed, are like yeah, Ted. Yeah. I'm not saying my dad was like Ted, but he was more like that sort of, you know, sort of yeah. quiet, devout. Um, well, he used to be a monk, my dad. Oh, my God. An actual monk. He oh was a Cistercian God. monk in Ireland. Uh, obviously, he didn't take his final vows or yeah, this programme yeah. would not be going out. <laughs> so he was sick for quite a while. Yeah. And then, so how old were you when he died? What happened when he died? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was 31 when <laughs> So, I mean, wow. oh, my God. He uh, did well, then. He did so. He was the original creaking door hangs long. Oh, my God. He was, um, I mean, he again, he never malingered. The moment he was okay, yeah. he would go back to work. Wow. But when I think about him, uh, and he was lovely, a bit, you know, sort of Irish and humble. I loved him. I love him to this day. Uh, but I didn't really respect him hmm. because... He was such a devout Catholic. Yeah. As I got older, I used to think, I didn't say it out loud because it was really nice, I didn't want to fall out with him. What do you know? You know, yeah. you believe a virgin gave birth to a child. You know, uh, you believe a man rose from the dead. You know, and also, because he was physically frail, frail was probably the wrong word, but sort of diminished. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't, you know, I didn't play football with him in the park. I didn't do anything like that. So... Yeah, it, it's a horrible thing to say I didn't respect him. Uh, I sort of, I I loved him, but when I got to about 16, 17, I started working in a cinema, and I wrote a book about it. And we used to, there's no other way of putting it, we used to steal a lot of money from the cinema. Right, okay. Um, I would come in, I mean, I know you're young, but tickets used to come out in a strip. Yeah, and yeah. And you'd fold them and give you back two ticket stubs. Yeah. What we would do so fast you wouldn't see it is I'd put one in my pocket, then take the um, untorn ticket back to the cash desk and resell it. Now, on a Saturday night, you'd get 1,000, 1,200 people. You had to do that wow. about 15 times. Yeah. Then the um, Coke cups. You know those waxy red oh, yeah, Coke yeah. and Pepsi cups? Say there was 100 to start with. 
um, and there was 50 at the end of the night, you should have the money in the till yeah. for 50 coke cups. Or we just go around the cinema, around the foyer, wash them all up and put them back. <laughs> <coughs> and there was no, beep, you know, there was nothing. The till was just a drawer. Yeah, it was just and a the, drawer. The, the, the third, this troika of um, theft, the third one was simply overcharging people. You'd come in and go, 20 Rothmans, because people used to smoke in cinemas in those days. Yeah. Uh, 20 Rothmans, bag of popcorn, couple of Cokes, and you'd add, add it up in your head, say it was 163, go 168, please. No one's going to go, oh, excuse me. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I had a big red Ford Cortina when I was at school. Uh, Which so, your devout Catholic dad might have had some issues. Well, I, I, yes, he, um, uh, my mum knew damn well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but also, uh, going back to cars, weirdly, um, that altered, the not the balance of power, that that would be the wrong way of putting it, but altered things in my household because yeah. my parents had never had a car. Wow. And suddenly I had one. And, and you know, I didn't use it, but I, I could take them. Suddenly I was the adult. Yeah, yeah. Because I passed my test when I was 17. And um, a different time when people were going, like, my mum left school at 15 and got a job, and that was yeah, it. She was an was adult. It. She was paying her parents money, like, yeah. because they didn't have any money. So she was sent to no, work. Quite. Yeah, it's very different and as long as I, yeah, Exactly that. And the trouble is, um, the people around, around my wife, I think Mickey Flanagan's touched on this, um, is you leave school, you get a job, you get a council flat, you get a bird, <laughs> <laughs> um, you get married, you're 21, you're done. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that would have happened to me, but working in advertising, sort of, I suddenly thought, oh my God. There's another way. Wow, look at this. Yeah. You know, cool. But the, the way I describe the creative people in advertising industries, they were like cool older brothers. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. 18, they're about 30. And it, there was that long haired sort of generation. Yeah, and yeah. and they, they um, you know, they'd been to art college or they were good writers because in those days there were grammar schools. Yeah. So you get working class people. You know, the, the best example are the Beatles or the Kinks or the Who or anyone. You know, they had the full spectrum of um, a grammar school where they were educated well. And also and the people that wrote things like Steptoe and some. That's, that's why yeah. there's no working class comedies anymore. Like EastEnders is, is, is hideously unconvincing yeah. because <laughs> it's written by middle class people yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's all sort of wrong so um, so you so, were 31 when he died so what did he was it his heart eventually <laughs> yeah, it was his heart. i mean he gradually he'd be absolutely when i was absolutely fine he, he was on tablets right, um, yeah. for the rest of his life and he he never really got better yeah and weirdly my cousin because um the family were, were irish but they came over to Scotland, um, like Irish people did. By which time my dad, I think my dad was already about 14. Right, okay. But he was the third of about, oh, God, I don't know how many there were, about eight of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, they were so poor, you know. If they could get to, you know, five o'clock without getting polio, that was a good day for them, (laughs) I mean. So, but, so, the younger ones were, like, babies. So they all settled in Scotland. Right, Um, And my, I remember going to Scotland when I was about six, we went up there on the train and we stayed with my dad's sister. And there's a picture of my dad. I only saw it recently. He transferred it onto DVD, my cousin had. And there's a picture of my dad playing cricket with a tennis ball right. in the back garden. And I, I saw him sort of running up and down. And wow. I know, remember him doing that. Wow. You know, And he was quite trim and handsome yeah, in an Irish sort of way. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, well, I guess yeah. it's like you said, like medicine in those days was so... Like like a big blunt knife, wasn't it? Mm. It was like, yeah, it does the job. He survived, but it obviously kind of destroyed some other stuff. God, yeah, in I him. mean, but the, then allowed him to live at the yes, same time, I, and and allowed me to exist, yeah. and my sister Caroline. God, 
Oh, and amazing, Susan, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if my sisters... I've got, I've got four sisters. Right, OK. Uh, I'm not sure if Susan was alive. But Caroline and I certainly weren't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so I only exist... Of because that. of the heart damage, and that's a really weird thing. And where were you? Did you get a phone call? Was he sick already? Or? Oh, he was always. I mean, it be, it be, you become sort of immune to it. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, and again, we were very well looked after. I mean, I remember we, Caroline and I, got sent to uh, Wembley Arena or Wembley Empire Pool, as it was then, to see Disney on Parade. <laughs> and you know, we, were, we were about ten, and Caroline was about seven. And we got there and we got sweets and Coke yeah. and this lovely sticker book. And everyone wanted to see... It was a massive thing. Everyone around our way wanted to go to Wembley and see Disney on parade, all the Disney characters. So there was no Disneyland. There probably was, but we yeah. didn't get to things like Nobody did. And I remember saying, oh, it's brilliant. You've got to go. You get this sticker book and they give you free sweets. And people in my class said, no, they don't. We didn't get <laughs> And then I, only re- I had to bring it in to show people. Oh and I God. always remember that, um, that we'd gone to the underprivileged London Borough of Brent... <laughs> Show trip, yeah. and the other thing I'll always remember, and there is a chance he'll hear this, is about that same time I was about ten. The other huge thing was the Tutankhamun exhibition oh, at the yeah, British yeah. Museum, and we had this wonderful inspirational teacher called Mr. Weber, who now I think about it was only about twenty-five, so he's yeah. only about sixty-five now. So. And um, everyone was told to bring in a packed lunch and a pound, so that we could go to the exhibition. Wow, and we had to get up really early, and then we went to Madame Swords, and then we went um, boating on the Serpentine. Wow. And I didn't have a pound. Yeah. My mum couldn't give it to me. And I remember sort of not actually crying, but thinking, oh, I can't go. Yeah. And I told Mr Webber, and he paid my pound. Oh. And I will never, ever forget that. Yeah, you know, it's, it, 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 it's things. It, it's kindnesses like that. Yeah. Because the, the, the other thing from those days, you, you're making me remember this, I suppose the whole <laughs> idea, isn't it? Is um, again abject poverty. Uh, father off work, living on benefits, taking the. Um, we used to get these DHSS clothing vouchers that we took to the co-op on the Edgware Road. They used to have lots. Of, <laughs> sounds like a four Yorkshireman sketch, <laughs> but because I know that most of your guests are sort of much younger and not quite as poor. But I suppose this makes. <laughs> I think poverty's changed. Yeah, my mum grew up extremely yeah, poor. I'm sure. Um, her family from the East End, then they moved mm. to Essex, and she. Some of the stories she tells. Mm. Sound like jokes, yeah. Because is you just think, no, that's not what happened. Like they were so poor that they had one egg when the family sat down for like Sunday tea, and it would be sliced up Mm. between you know mum, dad, her, and her two brothers, and she would get the top bit with the white. So she hadn't tasted an egg yolk. So she was about twelve or something. She said because her dad got the bit with the egg yolk, and then her brothers got the like little bit, and they would all fight, and she'd get the top end of the white, and that was no, I mean Sunday tea. No, quite. I mean my wife. not so much now because she believes it. Uh, she'd go, no, I'm not. What were you brought up in the 1930s? Yeah, but yeah, there was uh, some extra, especially no. in London, of course. Yeah, well, so you you sort of found your way out of this poverty, which is incredible, especially you know London is a hard city to do yeah, that sometimes. Is. And so did the did you get a phone call to say he'd just he'd died or? Oh God, no! I mean, it just went on for years and years yeah. and years, uh, and he'd be fine for a while. And uh, and I'll get older and older. Yeah. And um, yeah. So you're 31. Yeah. I mean, before that, I mean, I mean the things that used to happen. I remember my, my older sister Celia came. Um, came. <laughs> she came over to see him, uh, and as she got to the house, uh, she goes, um, Mrs. Ryder across the road comes running out and goes, because again there was no text, no mobile yeah. phone. She'd come up from the West End and she'd come to visit him because he hadn't been well. She goes, "Oh, your dad's been carted off to the Royal Free in an ambulance," 
Celia goes, oh, God, um, has Mum gone with him? And Mrs Ryder goes, no, no, she's got a, she's got a bingo with your nan. <laughs> <laughs> so we became sort of inured to it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, So was he in a hospital at the end? Yeah, I, I, I've been to every hospital in London. Yeah, you know, yeah. he, he was in Hammersmith, he was in the Royal Free, uh, Norfolk Park in Harrow. There, there were loads of them he was in. But um, I just remember one time um, he'd, he'd become quite frail and clearly the end was nigh. And I looked at him and I said, is there anything I can do for you, you know? Um, you know, and he said, uh, yeah, I knew what was coming. Uh, I'd like it if you could take me to Mass on a Sunday. So I looked at him and thought, mm, oh God, four weeks, six weeks tops, I'll have mm. to do this. Two years. <laughs> <laughs> I had to... Wherever I woke up in London, or with whom, got to take my dad to Mass. On a and Sunday? I, and I did. Oh, my God, that's And amazing. I quite enjoyed it. A, it made him so happy. Yeah. And the other thing is I'd take him in. Uh, he was really devout, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, sit him down, then go outside and read the papers in the car. Then when, when the people came uh, out of Mass, I would... Um, yeah, just go and bring him home. When he died, I mean, just gradually, and uh, as I looked at him more and more, I just thought, oh, just please, you know, like so many people do. If I could have my dad back, yeah. even in the way he was like four or five years ago, you know, walking to mass, yeah. being perfectly good. Uh, but he was just there. Was And also, I think his faith deserted him. Oh. And I had two feelings about this. One, it was a shame. You've devoted your yeah. life to Christ and Our Lady, uh, and you've had a pretty raw deal. And on the other hand, you know, he felt, I remember him saying that he felt Our Lady had let him down. But you, then you think, well, A, she probably don't exist. Yeah. And B, why should you have special truth? You know, I, but anyway, he died uh, and it was a bit of a relief. I was, um, I was buying some records in Notting Hill Gate and my brother-in-law, Trevor, rang me up. And, um, and I was quite relieved. Uh, and I do remember uh, going to see him in the funeral parlour. And I wish I hadn't, because oh, really? I hadn't noticed, as you don't, but from his... Pr- you know, dressed him up in his best suit and his yeah. shirt and tie, he'd lost about four and a half stone. Yeah. So he looked, like, so diminished. So I, I just... It's always up to... People get comfort in different ways. Uh, I think it's a very personal thing. Yeah. Sometimes you're not right, say, you're not wrong. Yeah, and sometimes people say seeing the body was absolutely amazing and c- gave them closure. And yeah, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. I think that's if somebody's killed or, or somebody yeah. you haven't seen for I've seen all the time. And the other thing I, I, I am with death, and the same with my mum, is I really... I always think that there's a old saying that it's easier to carry sorrow than guilt mm. uh, and there's plenty to be sorrowful about when somebody dies but you don't want to you don't want to have had that row yeah. or not even the row just didn't seem I did everything I could everything I could I'm you know boasting now for my parents when they were alive yeah, yeah. but once they died I'm not interested I don't you know I don't visit their graves mm. I mean my, <laughs> my dad's grave because the other thing that used to happen when we were a child is I used I and others used to profit from death like you wouldn't believe. Because uh, <laughs> in mass they'd go, they'd, they'd, they'd read out the, um, the list of the, the sick people. And Thomas O'Shea and John Murphy and this person and that person. And if they'd been on it for more than about six weeks, you think, oh, he's going to die. And we were altar servers, we were altar boys, yeah. and we used to get paid and get a morning off school, a ride in a limo and off to Kensal Green Cemetery. Wow. So, um, but then my dad was on the <laughs> sick list. For, and I thought, I bet those others are, are calculating uh, 
that he's going to be dead soon. Well, they had a long wait. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I really don't visit them. And my dad's grave, because uh, he's Ken- buried in London. Yeah, Kensal Green got full by the time he died. Wow. Uh, and it's now a sort of tourist attraction. Kensal Green cemetery. Yeah. all the time. Uh, they've been shipped out to Harrow, a place called Clamp Hill up the Harrow Road. And my dad's grave says, because my mum did it, she said, uh, in memory of Patrick Burke, loving husband and dad. We went, dad? Couldn't you put father? She goes, I was paying by the letter. And so it's like another three letters. But again, I never... And, and each time I go there with, you know, friends, parents dying, I always have a look. And all the people I knew as a kid, yeah, there's some more in there. My favourite one, I don't know why this appeals to me. Uh, my dad had a friend from the church, a little fella called Jimmy Conceprio. And all his grave says, it's there to see in Clamp Hill. In loving memory of Jimmy Conceprio, born in London of Swiss parentage. Is that <laughs> that's all it says. Wow. You think, what? what? You know. You're paying by the letter. That's a lot to get in, the Swiss parentage. Yeah, I know. And uh, the other one, I hate those euphemisms. I hate those, yeah. he's passed. There's another grave, and I can't remember the name. It's um, in loving memory of, you know, John Quinn, who fell asleep on Christmas Day. And I remember my friend Hillary going... We'll fall asleep on Christmas Day. There's no <laughs> fucking bury him. You know? It's just he died or in loving died, memory. Yeah. So I never visit there. I don't even know where my mother is. Wow. I think Caroline's got her or half of her in yeah, an urn. Yeah. And the other thing, I don't, I don't wish to disabuse you, but a priest told me this. Shall I say it? When you get Go cremated, on. it's seldom the remains of your loved one. Oh, I think it depends on where you are. Yeah, it depends. I've, yeah. I've spoken to some cremators who are very... Oh, to keep, excuse the pun, hot on it. Yeah, they're keeping the secret. <laughs> yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. But so, I remember a busy day at Kensal Green, and they, you know they just scoop up an urnful of the whole mornings. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but then it's, you know, but my mother's death was quite was quite different. Yeah. yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Griefcast. With Carrie Ad Lloyd. So your mum was much older. Yeah, I mean my mum only died. What, six, I can't remember about six years ago. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I felt sorry for my mum because a, you know, when you go in sickness and in health, you don't really mean it. And also, <laughs> I think my mother had to endure the um, the strain, the burden of being married to a good man. I mean, right. my my father was regarded as practically saintly because he. Oh yeah. He wasn't averse to a bit of argy bargy though. He, he, you know. He had the fighting Irish in him, yeah. which he had to keep down. But, <laughs> and my mum certainly did. You know. Yeah, yeah. But, oh. And um, so she, you know, she really had to care for him. Yeah, I know she went to bingo and things like that. Yeah. But it, 
I don't think it was much fun for her having to make ends meet like that with five children. God, I mean that. Yeah, it's especially in that day <laughs> yeah. and age. Yeah, exactly. Must be uh, a nightmare. So, so when he finally died, um, a lot of my family lived on this estate. We we all lived not far from the Edgware Road when I was a child. It was lovely, but gradually people get dispersed. And my uncle Norman was the first to go. He went down to Hearn Bay. They went down to Hearn Bay, oh, yeah. Margate, Broadstairs, yeah. down there, and they lived on an estate called the Clitter House Estate. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Look it up, <laughs> between Brent Cross and Kilburn. And a lot of my family lived there. And gradually they all move, moved away, and my mum was the last one to go. Um, and they established a sort of clitter house on sea. Down in, and it was just like when I was a child. Wow. And my mum had a whale of a time. And I remember my sister, Su- Susan, we don't know where we got her from. She's, she's lovely. She's... Um, She's like the middle class child, right. and we don't. And I think my. Do you mean you literally don't know where you got? No, I mean she looks just like my dad, <laughs> right. so she's clearly the right. But yeah. but I, she spent most of her childhood bewildered how she could have been born into this family. Yeah, uh, Caroline and I and the others dealt with it a bit better, but um, Susan did. Uh, and I remember she went down to Broadstairs. She goes, she comes back. She goes, it's a nightmare. She's out drinking with Norman and Bert. That's her brothers. <laughs> she's a larger out. She's out of control and. And we used to go she down. She's obviously having a, a good having time. Having a great time. So, so I like I like that. She had her little bungalow down there, and I used to take the kids down there. I remember taking my children uh, and Eleanor, my daughter. I've got two kids, Jack and Eleanor. Jack was very good because boys are a rarity in my fa- family. Yeah, yeah. And um, my mum adored just because she's got like eighty percent of her descendants are, are girls. Wow. So Jack was you know my yeah, boy. Yeah. And, <laughs> And I said to Eleanor, we're going down to see Nan. And she, go, and she goes, oh, I've got a play date with Chloe. And I gave her a bollocking. I just said, come on. You know, Jack goes all the time. You never go down. Yeah. So we left and we just got to Muswell Hill Broadway. Phone rings. Oh, can you come back and get me? I'd like to say we came down. And she had the best time because she's actually just like her. Yeah. And Nan was cheating at cards and, like, <laughs> and putting bets on the horses. And then we went down to the beach and we had um, ice cream, you know, in... In Morelli's, in, in oh the best, ice the cream best ice cream. So we went to Morelli's. Morelli's is so good. Oh, so you know it. I, I, I do, of course, because my family are from Essex, so they used to all yeah. go to Broadstairs. So we, yeah. went, to Broadstairs, so we went to Morelli's, oh, and we had Morelli's. lovely ice cream. We came back, and um, she goes, "Do you want a Do you want a biscuit?" I said, "Oh, Mum, I just had an ice cream. You shut your noise." <laughs> <laughs> they said, "She goes, yeah, he's in Nan's house now. He does as he's told." <laughs> and they're going, "Yeah, Nan's your mum." And Eleanor came back and said, oh, my God, Nan's all... Na- Eleanor's about 12, 13 then. Yeah. She goes, oh, Nan's awesome. She's brilliant. Can we go down again? And two weeks later, she died. Oh. At least they had that weekend. Mm. And it was, a, it was a quick death. Yeah, my mum just so conked she just, out. She, what was it, her heart or...? Well, what Anita, who lived down there, my sister, said um, that... Oh, my mum used to drink a lot. You know, right. you, you, uh, she used to... She enjoyed herself. Oh, yeah. That's what my relatives and, said. Yeah, she'd be drunk between four and seven. She's sober up for right. EastEnders. So you never <laughs> used to ring up between four and seven. And uh, Anita said that uh, she'd been to the hospital and the, the old kidneys were packing up. Right. And I think the next stop was dialysis. Well, it'd be typical of my mum to just stop taking her tablets. That's probably what she did. Yeah. And she was same age as the Queen. She was 86 or something. So... <laughs> What's wrong with that? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I do feel incredibly fortunate. I know this sounds so wrong that I was spared the, oh, should we put her in a home? What are we going to do? Yeah, should, yeah. You know, neither of my parents had dementia. My dad did have a long lingering illness, but my mum was there and we were all there. So yeah. it didn't really, didn't really affect me. But the, 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 the worst one, 
really a, a few years after that was um it's just like a, a roll call of death was um was my father-in-law oh right because the thing with my dad being sort of physically diminished and so devoutly catholic i absolutely loved him i really loved him because he, he remains the most kind most genuine man mm. I've ever met, and uh, and a wonderful example. The more of, I remember, think I never took any notice of him, but I remember he used to say to me, uh, he ne- "It's a shame because he never met any of his well, not any of his grandchildren. He met a couple of them, didn't meet any of mine." Uh, and he's just said, "Never send a child to bed unhappy, and never break a promise to a child." Wow. And uh, and and those little things. In that day and age, when it was yeah. much harsher parenting. Oh God! I mean, my dad. When <clears throat> I think about it, was. Um, was a new man. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. really was. Sensitive. Um, he wasn't in the... Yeah, he really was sensitive like that. And my sisters adored him. I think he was the, the, the loveliest dad Yeah. F- for daughters. Right, yeah. And not such an example to a son. My mum was the other way around. Uh, my wife put it very well. She said, your mum, your mum should have had one... Instead of one boy and four girls, mm. she should have had... Uh, one girl and four boys. Yeah. And I remember she said, I don't know why it makes me laugh. She goes, all like Ray Winston or Ray Burdis, you know, who we <laughs> yeah. met. Uh, all, like, all like Ray. Um, get Hello, Ma. Got you a bit of gear here. Yeah, you know? yeah. And she said, all eating apples. And I don't know why that's funny, but it is. But, um, <laughs> Some so, boys to run her. So her what rooms. happened with my dad being that sort of person is I always, and I still do, and I'm getting a bit old for it now, I always looked for older Ray... Uh, male role models right yeah I mean my uncles probably not <laughs> and so I always like a couple of girls I went out with uh, when I was younger I really liked their dads yeah. there's nothing special about them they were just ordinary dads really nice but one was a bank manager and uh, I think of another one who ran his own business and they played golf and they were, and they were just like just normal dads and yeah. I didn't have that I suppose again it comes back like we're talking about that the sickness and mm. not being acknowledged in a way that perhaps it would be now of like mm. what that does if someone's ill yeah. and sick for a very long time and that yeah you do have to grow up a bit quicker and a you do have quick. to carry a bit more burden and perhaps you were seeking yeah someone healthy <laughs> and the reason i stole all that money <laughs> is not because i was a criminal because you think yeah. i'll be richard branson now i'm not i just wanted some money yeah you just uh, and i peaked then you know and once i was out in the world earning money and driving a car you quit the yeah. I quit the criminal activities, <laughs> but um, so my father-in-law, who was a like a good old boy, he was a naval officer, and he had um, he'd split up with his second wife, and my sister Celia, who also lives around the corner in Muswell. That's all four of them mentioned now. All name right. check. Celia lives around the corner in Muswell Hill, and on the back of her um, house, she's got this little granny flat, and we said, "Why don't you move in there for a few weeks to sort yourself out." He was there for seven years, wow. <laughs> and he and he had a massive, great big, twelve hundred cc motorbike. Oh my god! I think you know where this is going. Yeah, he was um, on a biking trip. Wow! No one knows what happened. Came round the bend, and they said, you know, this got a bit further down. Where's Philip? They came round, and he'd crashed. <gasps> and um, you know those black and white chevron signs that as you go round a bend. Yeah, yeah. Gone under there, broke his neck dead oh my god and that was the worst death for me weirdly and i couldn't start sobbing and breaking down because it's my it wasn't my death it was my wife so i had to be strong to but support do her you think as ever we talked about the show before the distance allowed you to finally perhaps grieve for 
your dad in a way or your mum in that way of that you somebody that this, little bit this of was before space. my dad before my mum died it was in oh, between the two yeah um no um it's weird because i sound i don't know whether i sound sentimental soft and kind or as hard as nails, probably a bit. I don't really miss... I miss my dad a bit at Christmas. Mm. I'd like him to have seen my children, who are divine, and, and he would have loved them. But I don't really miss them. My dad or my mum did not leave a big hole in my life. Mm. I never sought advice from either of them. The only advice I remember from my mother... My, my, my dad's was that nice thing about the children. Yeah. My mum was... Only a fool thinks the old bill is stupid. <laughs> yeah, get you down the station... Uh, unless you're some sort of master criminal, which you're not. Um, and then there was that advice, you know, they'll twist it, don't trust yeah, it. Wow. But no, I didn't, you know, some people, um, I've heard them on this, on on this, you know, they just, they, yeah, they were an inspiration, a, a they gap, missed it, yeah. they, you know, they had someone to go to. Uh, so my father-in-law was actually, was much harder because I had to be strong to support my wife, but mm. I was devastated. And then a, a couple of years after that, um, I'm on. Well, I'm still alive, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm on my motorbike, oh. um, coming down the road, and this woman just. I'm just. Oh, the, the timing was like impeccable. As I'm passing her door, I could see her. You know, just her driver's door. Yeah. She decides to turn right without signalling. Right. I um, managed to avoid her, but I went wow over the other side of the road, out of control, smashed into a parked car. Ugh, you know, and when I got up, tried to stand up, I couldn't. Oh, um, my knee was so that someone called an ambulance because it was quite like evil, can evil, spectacular. So I get in the back of the ambulance and I said to my wife, "And it's me. Listen, as you can hear, I'm perfectly all right. Yeah, but I'm in the back of an ambulance and I'm on my way to the Royal Free Hospital. What's happened? Uh, come off my bike. I've done something to my leg. It's you know, it's, it's something. I've broken something. And I just heard her go, "Oh my god, oh my god." Yeah, Eleanor, who's about nine hears her going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I said, uh, she said, what's happened? Daddy's come off his motorbike, and I just heard, it'll make me cry at this day, oh, my God, my daddy, my no, no. No, because she associated... Motorbikes, yeah. Motorbike with death. Yeah. She's going, no, no, he's just hurt his leg. <laughs> but she just said it the wrong thing. Oh, uh, Dad's hurt his leg. He's got, you know, what yeah. happened? He came off. Just that way round, you know? Yeah, it, yeah. That's why, again, as we've discussed before, language and words are so important. Oh, so important. So I'm in the rare position of knowing how my daughter would react <laughs> if I died. <laughs> but, uh, At least she definitely yeah, cared. Yeah, but I, but I didn't. I um, think that's, do you think that's a generational thing? Or do you think that's a working class thing? Or is it just a personal thing? That your parents, like you said, it's not It's not a hole that's left because in a way you had to be very independent. It's a class thing. Do you think it's a class mm, thing? It's a class thing. Uh, one of the girls I went out with um, did a similar job to me. She was a creative... Oh, it's such a self-regarding title. But she worked in the creative department of an advertising agency. I would go see my mum and dad my mum would say how's work okay fine yeah my dad might even say what are you working on and i'd go oh volkswagen barclay card whatever i was doing i went up to see her she was from a very middle class you know um wilmslow cheshire orderly edge the posh bit where the coronation street football and menu oh yeah yeah yeah. she lived like they're really nice people her parents and uh she said, they said to her, how's work? She says, well, I'm working on this brief for this and that. And, and mum says, well, what I think you ought to do. And dad goes, well, no, may, maybe you should try the thing. And there's like group discussions breaking out. Wow. And again, I've taken more interest in my... No, it's a class thing. Because either you stay 
oh, this sounds so self-regarding, but either you stay in that class yeah. uh, and you do what your dad did, therefore he could advise you. My dad, dad didn't really... I still don't know what he did for a living. <laughs> he worked on building sites, and it's a shame because he... The thing with my dad is, back in those days, every week he'd get the Sunday Times and read it. And I think, well, if I'm a good writer, I suppose I must be. I've only lived in it for all these years. My friend Brian pointed that out to me. He goes, oh, well, you know, you've got your football results from the Sunday Times. So, yeah, you know, yeah. so um, I don't think he really was cut out for that sort of thing. He'd have made a brilliant priest, but then I really wouldn't. Yeah, lived. really wouldn't be. Yeah, but I think he was brought over here when he was 14. I mean, just the most horrible. Living on building sites, you know, they used to live there, sort yeah, of the Irish wow. McAlpines Fusiliers. Uh, he did all that. So, yeah, I didn't really learn anything. There was no career path. That, yeah, that, you and know, there's and an my friends were the same. There's you know. an independence from your parents. Yeah, completely. Like, yeah, completely. And maybe, it's, like you said, it's a class thing. It's class thing. Perhaps thing. a completely. generational thing as well that maybe. It is different now because we everyone does talk about mm. things more. But like I, I do. As I said, my mum comes from a very working class background, and I do know that, like that, just like yeah, it's fine. It's not just like what what's to discuss. <laughs> like, no, exactly. Works fine. End yeah, of story. Just, just like get on with it. You know. Yeah. And uh, they never really understood what I did. Uh, no, actually, when I started writing ads, they understood because you know mine would come on the telly. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? You can go. Yeah. Paul wrote that. We've heard yeah, it. We've yeah, we've heard that. My dad's last job, actually thinking about that. Uh, I was about 20 and I'm in the advertising agency, 21 maybe, uh, and I wasn't a writer then. And this photographer came round with an art director and go, he'll do. What? I just had my hair cut very short. And they were having, they were doing this um, shoot about, and I need to dress up in 1930s clothes with right. short hair and a cap and those braces yeah. that came down to there. And I was in this ad, you know, black and white ad. It was all about whether you learn to drive in these cars and, you know, so there's me. And when I took my dad, to his last job that I remember him having, he was a handyman. He had his little his little hut, and I went in and he'd torn the um, picture of me Aww. and just me and just pinned it up on his wall. That's nothing adorable. was said. Yeah, uh, you know. So I think he probably was. So I think it's interesting though because, like you said, it's not like a it's not a lack of love, is it? It's no. not that at all. But no. it's just there's the the need of that parent is very different, yeah, I very suppose. Different. So when they die, you're dealing with different. Yeah. Your grief is very different because it's not like, oh, my God, I, I, I don't know who will tell me what no. to do. You're like, I've been telling myself what to do since I was nine. So. No, quite. They never had bank accounts. They yeah, couldn't advise me yeah. on my career, on my finances, on, well, women. I mean, you didn't discuss that. Yeah, the, the only weakness with my dad is, um, like with my son, when he was like six or seven, I wouldn't say, fucking hell, Jack. Uh, but now he's... 23, of course I was like, fuck. Yeah. My dad never altered his... Mind you, he didn't say fuck to anyone. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you were always a child. But um, So your grief for your father-in-law, how did you work through that then? Was that much harder? It, w- it was harder, actually. Because you weren't funny used sort of to sort of that, those Be- emotions attached to it. Yeah, I wasn't used to those emotions. Um, and you can sometimes feel worse for somebody else mm. than you do for yourself. Yeah, definitely. So I felt terrible for my wife. And my kids who loved him. So my own grief had to take second yeah. back seat to that. Uh, no, it was, yeah, it was, again, he didn't leave it. I didn't discuss my career with him, but I liked him and the kids liked him. And he, he, he was lovely with children. And, well, we, we lost a free babysitter as well. Because he would, he, he would say, can't you go out? Thursday? Isn't there a film you want to go and see? <laughs> so he could um, come around and, and deal with the kids. Uh, I mean, my mother adored my children, but 
she had so many, yeah, <laughs> so many grandchildren, yeah. you know. That and also she lived at the time she lived um, uh, down in Clitterhouse on Sea, of course. Yeah, yeah. So um, no, yeah, there, there's different ways of it. But I, I just think I just think we're I, I'm quite sanguine about death. Um, I'm not saying the death. Again, again, that Irish Catholic thing. Someone was always dying. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! You know, you know. Death was present. Death was way. present at all times, especially when I, was, when I was an altar boy. I looked forward to death so yeah. I could go to Kensal Green Cemetery. There was always someone dying. You know, I mean, some like literally fell off the back of a lorry. You know, it was it, 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 it was that sort of thing. People were always dying. And I wonder that generational thing as well of like it being so present. It wasn't such a shock. No, it wasn't such a it shock. It was like, oh, so and so died. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. anyway, what we have for dinner, like, mm. and I think, yeah, especially perhaps, oh, I know, maybe it is a classic, when it becomes further away from you, uh, death becomes further away, and so then when it happens, it's such a shock, whereas I think when you are living in that, like, that different generation, when it, and you said, like, the Irish Catholic background, yeah. it's just there, so it's not such a big deal. I'm like. always amazed to meet people. Middle-aged people in their forties who've never been to a funeral. I, I, I mean, I find them astounding. So do, I've <laughs> They're like to, unicorns. It's I've like, been to what? yeah. I've been to, um. It's been a bit of a bumper year. I've been yeah. about seven or eight already this year. Yeah, I and mean, I couldn't tell you how many I've been to in my life. There's so many. No, so many. Yeah. And also, I've got a thing. Maybe it's a, a to do with me. I don't know what it's to do with. But I always think if you can go, you should. Yeah, yeah. It's about lending support, paying your respects. Sometimes celebrating life, if you know, if you want people want you to wear a mm. jazzy Hawaiian shirt, then do that. I also um, think it's about acknowledging that death is a thing. Yeah, and I think when you avoid it, or you know, by whatever reasons, or you, you know, you, if you, like you said if you can go, there's something in your brain and your constitution that's like, yeah, I will die. People mm. will die. That's what life is about. Is about this. The horrible thing is, you know, I remember someone saying it's true. You're dying from the moment you're born. Yeah, yeah, and it's the only guaranteed thing. That we're all going to happen and to us. Yeah, and just, um, you know, try and enjoy yourself. I'm not saying you shouldn't be religious, but just in case there's no <laughs> afterlife, try and enjoy yourself before death. No, don't bank on that. I mean, if I, I don't want to die now. Uh, I'm in good health. But if I did, God, it's been great. Turned out far better than I thought. A lovely wife, gorgeous children. It turned out far better than when I was little. And, and you know, my, my child is... Eat, it's sort of in black and white, you know. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I just think. Well, I've got to make it on my own, and I, it's weird with money as well because we had no money. It can usually take you two ways: either you're very flash and very naff, and because you yeah. had nothing when you, or you hoard it yeah, because you're terrified. Of it. For me, it's the other. It's somewhere in between. In that, I don't like it. I'm quite anxious about. It. I don't. I yeah. don't like bank statements. I know that in my life, I can like now. I can walk out and buy a nice new jacket, mm. but I can't buy a nice new. Jaguar, yeah, yeah, and somewhere in between, it tends to work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it has all, all all those all those effects on you. But the the, the first time, it, I just it just occurred to me my uh, that people say what was the happiest day? This is nothing to do with death. Well, it sort of is because my dad was very 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 sick. It was in the depths of you know poverty, and people say what was the happiest day of your life? Um, my sister Anita and Trevor, uh, they were very good to us. My sister Anita got married when she was about 19 yeah. and moved out to Essex. <laughs> As they did. As they did. As they did, moved out to Harlow. And they were over one day visiting my dad. And there was a rally chopper, second-hand one, outside. Oh, that's weird. Who's come round our house in a chopper? Still didn't occur to me. I went in. And um, I said, who's that bike outside? Trevor, is it yours? <laughs> You're a bit old for that. And Anita said, no, it's yours. Yeah. I said, what, can I borrow it? They said, no, it's yours. 
And apparently they'd, it seemed like a fortune. They'd paid 20 quid for it. Someone wow. at Trevor's work was selling it. They bought it for me. And so I got on it and I couldn't believe it. And I, and I, and I, I drove it round, round the sort of, round the estate. Round. And then I started to cry and I stopped and I'm sobbing and... And I couldn't understand. I thought, yes, you cry if someone punches you in the face. Yes, you cry if someone dies. Why am I crying? This is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. (laughs) And then I understood. It was a really weird emotion for a 10-year-old child. And people always say, what's happiest day of life? Uh, How about the birth of your kids? Well, no, not really. That that, that was no great surprise. The (laughs) nine months beforehand were a bit of a clue. That remains the happiest day of my life. It made me cry, and it's sort of linked to, not death, but... The um, you know, the poverty that ensued. Yeah. Um, after my dad became sick, no, no, I think about it to this day. Well, I think that is the loveliest image of a small boy realizing that perhaps there is some fun to be had on a rally chopper oh, when your life has been pretty tough. Wish I'd kept it. <laughs> well, Paul, thank you so much for coming to talk to me about your. Thank you and dad. so much. You're great. You've oh, got I've... stuff out of me that I'd forgotten <laughs> I even thought. So oh, thank you. Thank you. You can follow Paul on Twitter at Paul Burke Radio and you can find more information about his work at paulburkeradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast and you can email thegriefcast at gmail.com. The show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios and the music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 